Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I am joined as always by my partner. Hey, what's up? Holla at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. Hello. And on this stop of the mission, we will be discussing 1961's The Connection, a film by experimental filmmaker Shirley Clark about drugs, jazz, and the nature of storytelling. But before we get to that, Mr. Webb, what's going on here in these internet streets? <laughs> Why well, I'm glad you asked, Vince. Um, we like to take a moment to show a little light and show a little love to each and every one of you out there in uh, Missionaryville. Who shows love to us? Like all of you sitting there watching us live as we stream on YouTube, as well as on Facebook. Shout out to Deborah Battle, Aaron Fry, Robert Monroe, everyone out there. Hey, what's, what's going up? on, How folks? Doing? What's going on? Hey, Vince, we got another five-star review. Hey, on love those. On Apple Podcasts. Yes, we do. This review is from Poe Brown 33. Hey, Poe Brown 33. I stumbled upon this podcast looking for a deep dive um, for shows that did deep dives into House Party. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're in the right place, Poe Brown 33. (laughs) First of all, I'm amazed that if I read that right, he was looking for podcasts that do deep dives into house parts. Yes. I, I, I'd be curious if there are more, if like if there is a podcast that is devoted to doing a deep dive. Into you know what? Part. Without looking, I can guarantee you there have been at least five episodes of film podcasts that have been devoted to house party. I hear and you. at least two uh, hip hop can- ones. He continues, I'm glad I did since it led me to this podcast. I typically don't enjoy pre-topic chatter, but (laughs) I enjoy the conversation between these two podcasters prior to diving into the movie choice. There were tons of fun facts I didn't know about my favorite duo, Kid and Play. As a new listener, I have to say that any podcast that takes the time to do a well-thought review of House Party is already a winner in my mind. Thanks for the quarantine material. Oh, well, you're welcome. And thank you for the kind words. There you go. You are very welcome. Very welcome. All right. All right. Okay. Um, Hey, Vince. Yes. The last time we spoke here on these interwebs, there was a dark cloud hanging over the entire country. Yes. That seemingly had been stuck in place for four years. Right. Well, at least half the country. Well, at least half. Well, okay. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Oh, at yeah. At least half the country. Yeah, let's be clear. That, yeah. Half the country is that, cool with the, uh, with the racist, xenophobic, misogynist Nazi. <laughs> These are the people in your neighborhood. In your neighborhood, in your neighborhood. A.K.A. the president of the United States. Yes. But we have now a president-elect. We do. We do. 
of these United States as uh, Joe Biden won the um, the election yes. for president, meaning that he will be our 46th president. It also means that um, former Senator Kamala Harris yes. is our vice president-elect. Yes, she is. She will be the first woman vice president. Yes. The first black vice president. Yes. The first, uh, I believe, Asian. Mm-hmm. Southern Asian, uh, yes. Vice president. Yes. She's going to be uh, definitely killing it as she was killing it on stage in her white suit. Yes. I will put it out there right now. She looked fantastic. Absolutely. In that suit. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Congratulations to and- all. Definitely. So back to Definitely. hopefully the regular status quo. You know, one of the things that I haven't heard anyone mention, um, I mentioned it on uh, Black Tribbles uh, the other night. Um, no, I mentioned it on Sunday, On uh, spoiler alert. Um, one of the things I haven't heard anyone mention that is one of the most coolest, you know, um, things to come out of this election is that I cannot wait for when Joe Biden delivers his first um, State of the Union address in Congress, because for the first time ever, the president will be standing there and sitting right behind him will be the vice president and the speaker of the house. Right. And they will both be women yes absolutely because it'll be kamala harris and it'll be nancy pelosi yes giving giving a governmental witness to the old adage that behind every good man there is sometimes even two better women right there making them that much better yes absolutely Absolutely. Again, congratulations to a return to the status quo. And we still have work to do, but it's nice to start on an actual level that doesn't involve Nazis. Amen. Uh, Aaron Fry asked the question, do you think that the new president will dance with the new vice president? Hopefully not. Why you say I that? Don't, I don't need to see Joe dance. <laughs> look, you don't think look, you don't, you don't think Dave look, got the, look, no steps. I don't want to get into all this. Look, I don't need no more dancing presidents. I don't need no more Al Green. I don't need. <laughs> I don't need the, the 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 not like. I just want a regular ass president. Like, just can, can we just be like just. <laughs> Like, I just want stuff to be regular. Like, I had eight years of holding my breath with Barack Obama and and the high highs and the low lows. And then we had an actual (laughs) Nazi as president. Like, I just I just need a regular dude to be president. Just be a regular dude. You say regular dudes don't dance? I, I don't know. I don't need dance? to be in the news. Like, I don't need to be in the news. 
Like, just be regular. Like, just be a president. And then we we talk, you know, we got a whole lot of work to do still. Like, like, like neither one of them were my favorites, but it's like the Nazi or some people you got reservations about. So it's like, I'm, I'm happy the Nazi didn't win. Half the country still wanted the Nazi. So, you know what? Everybody was talking about Don, um, Dave Chappelle. Did you watch Dave Chappelle's um, monologue? I watched a little bit of, of his monologue, yeah. And it yeah. was brilliant. It was. But in my mind, the smartest thing anyone has said about the election, and I am not a Michael Chi uh, fan, or Michael Che, I think it's pronounced. Like, I actually don't think... Michael Che. Michael Che. Like, I actually don't think he's that funny. But he mm-hmm. said Saturday and, and up until now was like that part in Shawshank Redemption where Andy had negotiated them and each of the men got two beers. Oh yeah. Up on the roof to tar the roof. Mm -hmm. And he had negotiated for them. And, and red says like, we were still in prison. Everything was still jacked up. Mm -hmm. But for like a brief moment. Yeah. It felt okay. They were men. Like we still got stuff to do. Nothing is where it needs to be before a brief moment. Everything was okay. Yeah. And I said, that's actually it. Like, that's actually the feeling I have. So, no, I don't need no dancing. I don't look, uh, no. Uh, look, just be president. And, and, and we, look, just let's work on this other stuff. You just be president. Okay. But that's me. That's me. That That's, that's me. Like, I don't need him to do the sexy news on 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 the tonight show and just 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 be the president well i think that's what he will be right right like i don't want to like is is, was it just me like did you check the news every morning on your phone for the last 12 years and you kind of held your breath because you didn't know everybody like dude like i was so scared for the obamas for eight years and then I had to, like, I thought he was actually going to break the United States the past four years. Mm -hmm. So for like 12 years, it's been crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. I just, I I just, I just want to be regular. Like, just be regular. Okay. Like, I enjoyed my my boys, and then we are going to move on. So, you know, I have a, 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 a WhatsApp conversation with my boys. Where where you just talk and 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 for the past four years, whether it's the coronavirus or Nazis in the street or 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 uprisings, like I jump every time my phone buzzes, and it's been nice the past week. They've just been talking about football. <laughs> so so you've been quiet, right? So, well, and I can ignore it. You know, I can think about movies, think about the connection. <laughs> Uh, thank you for that segue, but we're not ready just not, yet. Not quite um, yet. Not yet. Um, but it was a good one. It was a good one. I'll keep that in the back pocket. I was about to say, maybe you can cut and paste that. Cut, cut, <laughs> cut and paste it. <laughs> Going to the, the Facebook group where all of our missionaries are having a lot of fun sharing movie news and talking back and forth with one another. They've got quite a community going on I there. know. Have you heard about this new movie that's going to be coming out February 2021, Vince, called 
gunpowder milkshake. I saw the stills. Yeah, I did hear about it. I like to cast. Gunpowder milkshake, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be a new action film where the secret sisterhood of of um bad chicks just come to the rescue of this mother and daughter assassin team. This film stars Karen Gillian, Lena Hetty of Game of Thrones fame, um, Michelle Yao, uh, recently seen on Star Trek Discovery. Killing it. As always. Carla Gugino. Mm-hmm. And our very own Angela Bassett. Yes, sir. Yes. Like I said, that's quite a cast. I am there for that. Quite a cast. I am there for that. You know, like Michelle Yao, beast. Angela Bassett, beast. Lena Hetty, beast. Carla, Carla, yeah, Carla Gugino. Oh yeah, she's a beast on the low. Yeah, oh yeah. I think people be sleeping on her. She's a beast, dog. And I like Karen Gillum. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm, I'm with yeah, it. I think it's I'm a great it. cast. I, I can't wait to yeah. to see that. That looks good. Also, they they um, shared in the Facebook group, ladies and gentlemen. You can check it out. There were some first looks at the United States versus Billie Holiday, the yeah. new movie from director Lee Daniels. Um, I didn't. I wasn't aware actually that this film. Uh, which stars Andra Day. Uh, I didn't realize that it was written by uh, Susie Susie Lauren. Parks. Yes, you did. Yes, you were because we talked about it. Oh, did I? Okay, you actually right. told. That's me. right. You actually told me. That's right. That's the only reason I'm keeping my eye on it. That's that must be. Then I must have forgotten yeah. about that. Yeah, and I and I'm a fan of her work, especially her play Top Dog Underdog. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, but it looks, I mean, you know, you just look, I was just looking at the pictures. That was all I, I was able to look at. It looks interesting. It does. Um, and, and, you know, we both have said that Billie Holiday's life is a life worth exploring again in the film. Yes. Um, so now I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious about that. I'm, I'm looking forward to checking that out when that comes out. I'm also looking forward to whenever this comes out. The new 007 movie, No Time to Die, which will star, along with Daniel Craig, British actress Lashana Lynch, who is cast as 007. Yes, she is. In the movie. Yes, she is. You think it's going to go to the, you think they're just going to hold it until it goes to the movies? Or do you think they'll try and stream it? Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Um, James Bond movies are too big of films for them to go streaming. They'll lose too much money on them. Mm. Like James Bond's an easy, like that's an easy five hundred million. You know what I mean? Um, because I'm more interested in this part of it than the film itself. If Tenet makes an ass load of money next month when it comes out on video on, on demand. D- Right. Do you think it's possible that that can change some things? No, because the the um because when it comes out next next month, which I think it's going to be coming out on Blu-ray and 
DVD and all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think also the digital release. I don't think that market is what it used to be. No, no, no. I thought it was coming out on video on demand. Like I didn't know it was coming out on Blu-ray and everything you just said. Okay. Yeah. All okay. I saw even was if it streaming. does come, even though, even if it does come out on video on demand, I don't think that that market is what it's is what it's it's what it once was. And first of first of all, look. I like Christopher Nolan. I think he's a great film. I think he's a very great filmmaker. Yes. Like I've been, no doubt. I think he's like hands down a phenomenal filmmaker. Yeah, no doubt. But I will also say that I don't necessarily like leap at the chance to see a Christopher Nolan film. True. Either. True. You know what I mean? So I don't see an and Tenet, as much as I want to, you know, root for the thing, it wasn't like it didn't like grab me made me feel like I had to see really? it. You know, if it didn't... No, I didn't. I mean, it looked interesting enough, but not... It didn't look dissimilar enough from the rest of his films to make me want to run and go see it. And on home and on video on demand, I'm still not interested in seeing it. Now, when it hits HBO or one of those things, sure, I'll watch it then. But I'm not going to... I'm not going to pay to, to watch it I, I, and I don't think that that's going to make up I don't think that the video on demand business is enough to make up for what these films can make in the movies especially now in light of you know the you know the um, the seemingly good news that there may you know we don't know there may be some light at the end of the tunnel with this thing with a uh with a right, vaccine right. um so i think that these movie production houses who have lost tons of money no i hear you year, i hear you you know and the movie theaters who are teetering on going out of business i think both of them are going to find some way to try and hold on for another 4 or 5 months before, until films can come back out in the theater. I think for all intents and purposes for theaters 2021 is gone. Do you think so? I think if they release a vaccine in December right that is 100% effective mm-hmm we're going into winter. So now we're coming into spring, summer. There's going to be another outbreak. And I think as soon as there's an outbreak from a theater, first of all, I think that the sales are going to be flat anyway, going to theaters in 2021. And I think there's going to be at least three or four outbreaks at a theater, which are going to flatten it even more. You know, people mm. going to theaters. I think 2021 is is done for movies, for the theater. You going back to the theater not. in 2021? You going back to the movies? Vaccine released December 1st, 100% effective. Mm -hmm. When are you going to the movies? I might go to the movies by, uh, by the summer. Who are you going with? <laughs> Obviously not you. Right. I'm, I mean, <laughs> no, seriously. No, seriously, I might go if I might go to the movies 
by the summer. Now, am I going to be trying to be as judicious about it as possible? You know, and and I think the movie theaters would would be the same way. You know, not so many, not as many people in there. Be circumspect about how close I'm sitting to people, who I'm going with, and things of that nature. Certainly, um, but no refreshments, which is where theaters make their money. You still going? Well, I, I, I bring my own refreshments anyway. But um, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, uh, well, I mean, no eating. I mean, you know, you're gonna have to keep your mask on. Depending on the film, yeah, yeah, I can see myself going to the film to the movies in the summer. I could, I could. That's me. Okay, all right. Now, now you're right. I I will admit that I probably am. You know the outlier. Mm-hmm. You know most people probably are. Well, I know. I know my. I know. You know, my my lady definitely has already said. Well, that's a done deal. You know she's she went she. I know she probably wouldn't be there. Well, that's why I asked who you were going with because you sound crazy. <laughs> it's not crazy. And I said, well, I know he's not going with his lady. He must be going with some by himself or something. He must know some other crazy people like the four crazy people going to go. They're not crazy people. I mean, you know. Look, I would go. Look, I'm just wondering how long do you hold on? And, you know, we're talking about James Bond. Obviously, we're having this conversation about Wonder Woman. Yeah, Wonder Woman, Black Widow. Black Widow. Like, there are a couple of them. And I'm just wondering how long. And and I honestly don't know. Like, like, Like I said, I'm honestly, like, I don't know anything about the economics of this thing. But I am honestly curious, like how long do you hold on to it? Before you um try to recoup some, some money way. or 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 right. try to build another model or you you know, I I'm I'm honestly curious cuz again, I'm saying December 1st a 100% uh effective vaccine comes out. Neither of those things are going to happen. Yeah, that's true. So, that's you know, now true. we're going and getting into January, February. And, and you know, like, again, how long do you hold on to this when it's money sitting on the table? It may not be the money you wanted, but it's money sitting on the table. George Kimona says that it would have to be DC versus Marvel for him to go. And I think he actually means it would have to be right, the movie right. would actually have to be. Right. DC versus Marvel. Yeah. Um, Aaron Fry says the small film art houses are done here in New, New York City. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know. I know that's. I know that's true. I know uh, Cinemark is like barely holding yeah. on right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a shame. It's it 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 is a shame. I am morbidly fascinated to see what's going to spring up in its place. Yeah, me too. But, but yes, Lashana Lynch, 007. Do you think? I'm. I'm. Do you think, sister? I'm interested in seeing. Yes, that. Naomi Harris. Do you think? I'm a. Uh, I'm a. I'm a. I'm a Bond guy. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Let me see that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's almost time for us to get into our review. But before we do, hey, check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Did you know that on the Michelle Mission website, you can hit this uh, little 
tab that says swag and that will take you to our T public page where you can see all of the cool designs, t-shirts and whatnots that we have for your um, buying pleasure because every sale goes a long way towards us keeping this show as a, a free show for you. So we appreciate each and every one of you who purchases our merch up there, um, including I don't know if you saw this, Vince. We've got something new up there. We've got a new Michelle Mission mask. Oh, fancy! It looks fancy. I know it's almost like we have a graphic designer in house. I know. I I know. Right. (laughs) Right. Check out that funky little Michelle logo, um, inspired by Adidas. Uh, and it is available on a mask. You can also get it on sweatshirts, t-shirts, and and and, and in a variety of actual uh, different colors as well. So go to swag at michellemission.com and uh, go get some some swag. Why don't you? All right. Okay. All right, Vince. It is time for us to get into our review of 1961's. The Connection. The Connection. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. This is J.J. Burden, New York City. The responsibility of putting together this material is fully mine. I did it as honestly as I could. Do you realize that hardly a day goes by without some item in the daily press concerning narcotics? Petty, miserable, self-annihilating microcosm. That's what you want. Hurry, hurry, hurry! The circus is here. But imagine anyone wanting to use real junkies just to make a move. Wow. Believe me, we're not here for the money. Connection is a 1961 feature film directed by American experimental filmmaker Shirley Clark. In a cramped and dirty apartment, eight junkies variously goof off, chat, and play jazz music while waiting for their heroin connection to show up. They've also struck a deal with documentary filmmaker Jim Dunn, played by William Redford. They'll let him film them provided he pays for their drugs. When the dealer, Cowboy, played by Carl Lee, arrives, he's suspicious of the filmmaker and his camera. 
enough so that Dunn considers trying heroin himself to prove he's no narc and to better understand his subjects. Again, jazz, drugs, and the nature of filmmaking. The Connection, directed by Shirley Clark, based on the play by Jack Gelber, who also wrote the script, stars Carl Lee, Warren Finnington, Freddie Reed, Gary Goodrow, Roscoe Lee Brown, and a variety of jazz musicians. This was the choice of Lynn Webb. Lynn, what do you have to say about 1961's The Connection? The first thing I have to say about this film is that I could not believe as I sat down and watched this movie that this was 1961. Mm. There was so much about this film that, I mean, um, it definitely takes place in the, you know, it's, it's the 60s. It's a black and white film. Um, it's it's different. It's shot from the vantage point of the director. The director is basically our window into this world of these heroin addicted artisans in this in this apartment as they're waiting for their fix. Um, and it's it is unknowingly the birth of the found footage, you know, genre. Because you're introduced at the top of the film by the quote-unquote cameraman played by Roscoe Lee Brown, who was mostly seen off camera, uh, that it was he who put together this film because the director kind of like left the film with him, you know? So it's like it's a found footage film before the found footage film genre was, you know, came to be in the... I guess the nineties or early two thousands with the Blair wish project or whenever that came out. But, um, but watching this movie, it, it just like this, it feels that it's so much more recent. It feels like it, it, it's taking place in 1965, 66. It, it easily could be taking place in 1975, um, because the the immediacy of what's going on, the starkness of the story that it's telling, you know, these 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 jazz musicians who are clearly, you know, amazing talents, but they can't get out of their own way because then they're because of their fix, and 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 so they find themselves fixed, stuck in this apartment, unable to move because they, they just need that momentary high. And it is a momentary high that that awaits them. Um, but it, it, it was like, this is 1961? This is just on the other side of the 50s that someone is, is taking a chance and filming a movie like this that is showing people shooting up that is um, that is using as close to the vernacular of the street as they can, including, you know, the S word. Um, I'm like, yo, this, this can't be 1961, but there, there it is. And that's all because of the director, Shirley Clark, who you, you know, you introduce as an experimental film filmmaker 
And sometimes when people say experimental filmmaking, you're like, hey, really? Did they really experiment? But she was. That's what she was about. She was about trying different avenues of, of telling a story. Um, whether it be trying to find different ways to film people dancing in some of her earlier films till finding this loose connection that drugs have with jazz because j- drugs is very much unfortunately a, a part of the history of jazz music um because you know jazz music well the music music in general but a lot of jazz musicians you know their stories you know go hand in hand with the drug epidemic in America you know so to see that being brought to life on this on screen was like whoa this is pretty you know pretty amazing to me i was like i was i was taken aback by it um this is based on a play by jack jack gelper usually stage plays hit a little harder than than your films then and especially in 1950s 1960s hollywood um so it didn't surprise me that this was you know of tougher stuff of some meaner stuff of some you know open up a door and turn in its lens on on these people uh these 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 artists and you know just sad men uh in this film all of them men um it 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 didn't surprise me that that happened uh i i i find myself falling more and more into the movie and being taken by the photography of it the the um the the energy the the, the monologues that were going on as everybody was kind of introducing themselves, they're introducing you to the characters. Um, all of them, longtime junkies. The one character, Leech, whose apartment it is, he's kind of like our, he's kind of like our window into this world because he introduces us to the, to all the characters. But then there's a character named Sam um, who pretty much becomes like the chorus of these guys um, because he's not so much, a, he's not a musician. He's kind of just there. Um, it was, I found it real. I found the film like real interesting, pr- pretty provocative. Uh, the problem is with this movie for me, what happened is that as I was watching it, I started turning on my crit- critic's head, my, mm. my critic light. Mm-hmm. And and in doing that, then some of what I was enamored with started to fall away. Okay, and it became as 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 daring as an exercise as this movie was. It became a little bit more icky for me. Okay, because while this was actors playing roles, playing the roles of junkies. It almost felt like, you know, um, some type of, some type of, uh, 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 caged cage. And we're on the outside looking at these, these trapped figures, just trying and make their, you know, navigate 
this small world in which they encompass and them looking for their fix, which will just give them a momentary distraction from where they are. Right. And that became pretty icky Mm -hmm. to me. Um, the fact that it's it's a mixed cast. This is not an all black cast at all. No, yeah, not at um, all. I think it's 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 heavier black, but the main speaking roles are predominantly white men. Um, the director uh, is a white guy. The camera guy is played by Roscoe Lee Brown in his film debut. Um, but he is he's he is. I mean, I think he's only seen on camera maybe three times, and even then, it's very fleeting. Right, right. Because he's he's playing the camera operator, and 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 that's our window into right. this world. And one of the times, a, it's a it's reflection. A, right, right, yeah. right. That's right. Um, Leech, you know, is a white guy. Ernie, who may or may not be his friend, lover, I don't know, has a weird kind of vibe about him as well. He's a white guy. There's this. Um, really sad, large, sad dude named uh, what's his name? I wanted to say his name was Larry, but Larry is one of the um, Larry, I believe, is one of the the, the musicians. Is that uh, Harry? Harry? Mm-hmm. No, Solly. Solly. That's right. What's, oh what's yeah. Solly. Oh yeah. Solly. Yeah. Solly. Yeah. Solly. Solly. Big big guys. Solly. Um, bit of a sad sack type of guy. He's a big. He's a big white guy. Um, so the, it's, you're, you're, and then Sam, who is a black guy and you kind of learn Sam's story a bit, but those are really the four stories that you, that you learn. The other people that are in this room are black individuals. They're black jazz musicians who are playing their hearts out in this in this film, they are they are blowing. Right, they they're are, actual musicians. Yeah, yeah, Jackie. And they're actual musicians. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, because you have, um, I'm just going to go through. You got Larry Ritchie, mm-hmm. who is a very noted uh, musician of the time. You have uh, Freddie uh, Freddie Red on the piano, and he's the person that composes most of the music. Jackie McLean and Michael Meadows. Yeah. Um, they're your they're your performers in the film, but they are also waiting for their fix. Right. And um, you don't learn as much about them. You, you just see them kind of like no. playing their music, mm-hmm. getting high, coming down off of it, trying to deal with it and, every, and, and everything. So in a way, it feels real voyeuristic, voyeuristic because, you know, you're not even – giving them an a moment uh any opportunity to show show their world. You you're not inviting us into their world. Right. They're pretty much just set dressing out, and out, the out. score. They're there for atmosphere. They're there they're for atmosphere. Um and the shame of it is is that in their mostly wordless atmosphere they pull focus. Because you want to know what's going on in their mind. You want to know what's going on in Freddie Red's mind as he's playing the piano. You want to know what's going on in Larry Ritchie's mind as he is trying to keep his face away from the camera. You know, um, you want to know what's going on, what's going on in their head. You don't. 
you don't get to to really truly witness it because when they play, they play. Mm-hmm. When they're high, they don't play. So you don't see necessarily the effects of the drugs on their creativity, on their talent. So they become just another part of the room. And I think that is really to the detriment of the film. So the only other black person who you're allowed a window into their world is the cowboy character who is a person that is bringing them their fix, who's a person who is then one by one hooking them up, you know, and, 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 and giving them their, their, their heroin also going through his own, you know, um, uh, high blast off as well. And for, I don't know what, what reason he comes into this apartment with this, I think like a 105 year old woman named sister salvation. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Who, who comes into the film and even at one time looks at the camera as if to say, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah, it's 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 kooky. <laughs> because it makes she she offers absolutely nothing to the film. There's she doesn't even offer any really like commentary on what's happening in in this world. Um at least not that I could discern. Uh so with all of that as much as I wanted to be like, like really just like drink in this movie and drink in the experiment of it, of it and celebrate it for that, which it has, has been over the years. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it's one of those movies. It is, been, it is, it is a, a movie that has been refound mm-hmm. and reappreciated. And I think it is a movie worth reappreciation. Mm-hmm. And yet I still think that on the whole, it is a fabulous attempt, but still a miss. Yeah, yeah. I I I I think I agree with with where you land. I think this I think the connection technically is an achievement. You know, mm-hmm. everything that you said, but but it, Ultimately, this is a film that left me cold for a few reasons. Right. Uh, first and foremost, we've discussed this before. I think it's very difficult to take a play and adapt it to film. I, th- I think the nature of plays, I think the nature of the physicality of the play, I think the immediacy of the play, the power of plays, I think, loses something when it's adapted for screen and and yeah i think we've watched a couple that have worked in differing degrees like i think a soldier's story is just as good as a soldier's play but i think that's because Mm -hmm. the nature of the story with the flashbacks and and everything i think fences the film is fantastic but but we talked about it as much as i love fences the film with that same cast it loses something when you mm-hmm. move it from the stage to the the screen. There's something stilted about what happens when it goes from the stage 
to the screen because you need you you need that flesh and blood mm-hmm. to breathe into it. I, I think this is a very very theatrical piece. You you know, like you can actually see this stage and the dialogue is very sort of, you know, full of affectation. And and like you said, it's all like there's nothing natural about anyone in this film. Like like when you talked about Sister Salvation, she seems like something that would show up in a play. To mm-hmm. kind of shake up the rhythm of the play, but in the film, like you said, it's completely out of out of out of sorts. I think the other thing that this film is an example of, and, and I actually jotted this down, this film is a perfect example, or or a perfect example of the reason I never actually changed my major from English to film. Like this very much films like feels like the film that they show in film classes and that you study. And it's so concerned with filmmaking. Like it's so concerned with the mechanics of the filmmaking that I think it gets in the way of the actual story. I see. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, I, I think I, I, I think I there's you. this whole relationship between Roscoe Lee Brown as the cameraman and um, Dunn, who is the quote unquote filmmaker. And mm-hmm. it's sort of interesting. But again, it it, it it sort of gets in the way of actually being a movie. You, you know, just right. like actually being a movie. And and the, the bad thing is I was thinking of films that address this, this the, you know, these sort of meta films, these films about films that do it better. Mm-hmm. And the two that jump to my, you know, I, you know, I always go to Rashomon, which is not a movie about movies, but it's a movie about stories. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation. Mm. Brian De Palma's blow up. Oh, wow. Okay. And the sad thing is, or the irony is that if Francis Ford, you know, maybe not a Kurosawa, because I think Rashomon comes out before this, but if you get Brian De Palma and Francis Ford Coppola in this room, I would bet you my arm that they would cite this film as part, as something that influenced those other films that I just named. Okay. I just think they do it better. Like I think hmm. both of those films, in 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 all three of those films, if you include Rashomon, are actual movies. Like they're actual Most stories. Definitely. Most that, definitely. That you, you know that aren't so invested in the experimentation part of of, yeah. of the movie. Yeah. And even that, like like when we talked about, you know, I would say. You know, you and I were just talking about oversimplification of her beauty because for something else that we were doing. And that very much was mm-hmm. an experimental film. Yes, it was. But I think yes, it, it had a I think it had heart and passion. Yes. That I don't get like this is so cold by my reading that it mm-hmm. that I, I could never I couldn't really connect with it as a film. Having said yeah. you know, having said that. I, you know, I did like a couple of the performances. I, I, you know, I liked, um, 
my screen went blank. I really like Carl Lee as Cowboy. Like I thought he was very charismatic, and and now I I kind of want to go watch Superfly again, and kind of see what you know, see how this connects to Superfly. I liked William Finner Finnerty's performance as Leech. Like I did like, like him. I like he, his he performance. had a, a, a Steve Buscemi energy he had him. a steve buscemi energy about him that i enjoyed as a discreet performance mm-hmm. the music is fantastic oh yeah the, you know the music yeah. is fantastic but much like what i just said about the the cold distance you get the sense that this film wasn't as invested in the musicians like you said as musicians like this mm-hmm. really was sort of that just to keep comparing text. When you look at how the music worked in um what what is it? I always forget the title. Up all the Othello movie that we watched a few years ago. All night long. All night long. And you see how music works in all night long versus this. Yeah. And how the music is is metaphorical for what's going on with these characters. As mm-hmm. opposed to this, as you said, they're just they're, they're just there to provide this cool music. Mm-hmm. And even the whole plot of the subject now becomes the one in charge, like when they pull the filmmaker in and then he becomes, yeah. I, I, it, 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 talking about, you know, the problem is you and I talk too much. <laughs> you and I were just talking about Street Smart a few days ago. Mm-hmm. And Street Smart does it so much better. But again, you kind of feel like it's unfair to name these films from the 80s. Yeah. That do something better than a film in 1961. Exactly, which was the one of a kind, the first of its kind. Which, as I said, I forget off the top of my head who directed Street Smart. But I do wonder if the connection is in the DNA of these other films. Like, I know Brian De Palma and Francis Ford Coppola are students of film. Like, I know they saw this. And I know they were aware mm-hmm. of this. You looking up Street Smart, Smart real quick? Street Smart was directed by Jerry Skatsberg. I'm not familiar. I'm not really familiar with him, so I don't I can't speak to him. But like I said, De Palma and Coppola are very much students of film. So that Much like you, I think I can acknowledge the importance of this film. Mm-hmm. If someone told me that they weren't, wanted to study film, like I would say, oh, maybe you should check out The Connection. I, complete, yeah. I completely yeah. understand why Criterion champions this film. But as far as something I would recommend, I think I would recommend every other film that I named before this. Because I fairly think I, or I think I would yeah, too, fairly yeah. or unfairly, they all accomplish the things that this film does mm-hmm. better. Right. So right now, if someone told me they were going to stage another adaptation of the connection, I'd be interested in checking that. I out. might be interested in that exactly because again, that I would be interested because in you you out. can tell even from the performances in the film that the physical space and the way that the players move around each other would work differently on stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Now, a shout out to uh, all of these actors that are in this movie, because I think you even mentioned it in, in the beginning. They are the actors that, you know, perform the play. Right. Performed in the play. So they were they had this in their bones. Um, and like I said, it's not a fault of the acting. No, 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 no. For the most part. It's just that the execution just falls a little a little short. Um and uh like I say, hey, it's a it's an experiment. You take a chance. It's the first of its kind. It's right. 1961, and there is a, a filmed image of someone taking drugs, sticking a needle in their arm. I mean, they don't go that far in movies today. They always cut right, away. Right. This was 1961, and they showed it going in there, man. And I love the so, way they handle it, where where initially you don't see the drug use. Like they go into the bathroom mm-hmm. and you think this is all going to happen off stage. And then it's only when the one character demands more yeah. that you see the stark reality of it. And and that I mentioned it when you were talking about Roscoe Lee Brown. I think it's important that you see Roscoe Lee Brown's reflection as he's filming it so that you get a mm-hmm. sense you know that that again speaks to the exploitation factor of this right. where where it's it's actually in the script where a couple of them say that he has come in to kind of film this for his own career but he doesn't know anything about jazz he doesn't know anything about drugs he just is looking for a story mm-hmm. which is is a commentary on that we, that we've had about these documentaries forever it's it's funny i just read a review of um oh damn i just had it i just had the review up because it was of the um it was a memoir that came out right hillbilly elegy hillbilly elegy uh ron howard is is making a film based on jd vance's memoir about you you know Mm. and and it's one of these things where since uh, Donald Trump was elected, there were all these documentaries, all these think pieces, all these books written about the poor, the poor benighted white working class of Appalachia. But it very quickly became this kind of hillbilly porn mm-hmm. where, where you, you know, you kind of look at the poor, look at the poors up in the mountains and how they are. And let's all point at them. And a couple of the reviews that I read of uh, when J.D. Vance came out with his memoir was the same thing. So the fact that Shirley Clark is even addressing this in 1961 is admirable. Yes. Like like the way these, you know, just sort of the imbalance of power and the exploitative nature of documentary and all of this that kind of like you said, nobody is talking about this in 1961. Nope. So, you know, you have to give her credit for that. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I champion that. She um, actually talks about describing her the uh, impact her experience as a woman has had on her filmmaking. She said, there are several reasons why I succeeded at all. One, I had enough money that I didn't have to become a secretary to survive. And secondly, I have developed this personality, this way of being. I happen to have chosen a field where I have to be out there to constantly connect, to be in charge of vast amounts of money, equipment, and people. And that is not particularly a woman's role in our society. 
Um, I grew up in a time when women weren't running things. They still aren't. Um, yep. But she ran her, she ran her business. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, uh, God bless her for it. Yeah. Um, so I like, you don't think I would necessarily call this a black film, but I do think reading it black as we do occasionally makes it a much more layered film because I do think the fact that Roscoe Lee Brown ultimately is the storyteller Mm -hmm. and, and because of his blackness and because of his experiences with this world, he's not pulled in right? like um, done. And I absolutely Mm -hmm. think that that's a racialized moment or, or racialized detail. Yeah, so do I. So do I. Um, and while yeah, I wouldn't say it's a, a black film, it it it's, it's at the cookout, and it's um it's a movie worth exploring. So I would recommend that people see it. I don't know. I don't. I, I would. I, and now, don't get me wrong. I think. I think it's not for everyone. I'm not going to say I'm I'm not going to lie. It's not for everyone. But I do think that it's a a film that if you're interested, if you're interested in films, you're interested in filmmaking, you're interested into maybe into, yes, a a bit of a time capsule of 1961. You know, you you know, some stuff, some stuff didn't just happen in the mid 60s, ladies and gentlemen, there was stuff that was here all along. Sure, sure. Um, uh, Just coming out of the golden age of the 50s. I think it is a movie uh, worth worth watching. I didn't. I, I don't think it it landed, but I I didn't regret seeing it. So I disagree. I think you can skip this. I think okay. I think I think you can read about it. You you know I I think certainly you 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 can. You can find its DNA in other films, like mm-hmm. I talked about, but but I don't know if that was two hours well spent. It was an hour and a half. I mean, I, okay, we'll we'll split the difference because it was like an hour forty seven. Oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so I very rarely use mine, so like I have to use it occasionally. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I, th- That's true. I think you can skip this one. I think All you right. can skip this one. Read about it. Well, okay. Read about Read it. About Watch it. some clips. Yeah. So, I, w- I won't be mad. I'm not going to tie on this hill. <laughs> so it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's like you planted your hill. You planted your flag, and I said no, and then you said, eh, "All right." <laughs> All right. Dang. <laughs> All right. So before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank each and every one of you who are checking us out on YouTube and as well as on Facebook in the Michelle Mission Facebook group. If you're watching us on YouTube, please tell a friend, subscribe to our YouTube channel um, because it would be nice. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's your sales pitch, huh? That's my pitch. (laughs) 
<laughs> Michelle Mission on YouTube. It'd be nice. Uh, <laughs> why not? <laughs> um, the Michelle Mission is available as a podcast, ladies and gentlemen, every Wednesday on MichelleMission.com, as well as any place and every place that you find podcasts, as well as the Podglomerate Podcast Network, the Podglomerate Curated Podcast for your listening pleasure. You can check out the Michelle Mission every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM 106.5 FM, Philly Cam. Philly Cam. People Power Media here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And you can check us out and wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University. If you really want to help us out, the best way you can help out the Michelle Mission is go to the podcast uh, distributor of your choice and give us a five-star rating and a review because that helps other people find our little show. Okay. Next week on the Michelle Mission. Well, the bus was running late, but now it's gotten here. <laughs> and now we're going to get on the bus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're getting on the bus next week, ladies and gentlemen. 1996 Spike Lee film about a road trip to the Million Man March starring Ossie Davis, Isaiah Washington, Andre Brower. And a man we like to call Tommy Lee Bird. How you, how you not going to uh, talk about Roger Gouverneur? And Roger Gouverneur Smith. And I shouldn't have said and because now I can't think of his name. Um, the bald guy never ages. <laughs> the bald guy who never ages. He's a young buck in this movie. He's not young buck, but he's he's he he sits with Icy Davis the most in the movie. Um, oh, uh, Rock Dutton, Charles Dutton. Charles Dutton is the bus driver. Yes, not Charles Dutton. Um, oh, oh, Vince, you know him. He he looks Tevin Campbellish. He's um. I'm trying not to look it up. I think it begins with an H. I think his name begins with an H. Not Hill Harper. Hill Harper. Yes, Hill Harper. Yeah. <laughs> Whew. Carrie Lennox, Richard Belzer, Wendell Pierce. It's a killer cast. Wendell Pierce is in it's this movie. It's a killer cast. I forgot Wendell it's, Pierce was in this movie. It's a killer cast. Yeah, George Kimona is actually reminding me about that. Uh, my man Bunk steals the yeah. movie. Yeah, Wendell Pierce. Yeah, the cast of Get on the Bus is not playing with y'all. All right. Well, we're going to be, we weren't going to be playing with you, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to review Get on the Bus next week here on The Me Show Mission. All right. Until then, he's Vince and I'm Len. And in parting, we say, We'll see you when it's time to meet again. The Love Bowl. Now
Now it's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>